Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> so today we continue our journey through the book of Romans. I just want to tell you I spoke to a colleague and they're taking two years to go through the book of Romans. So we are skipping through it. Um, we are doing 10 weeks here and 10 weeks at Life Group. Now, if you remember from the very beginning, it was suggested that we look at the book of Romans like climbing a mountain. And last week we reached the summit. We saw the expanse, the panorama, the idea of what God had in mind. Um, imagine Paul at the summit going, I'm your tour guide, look, look over there. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Look over there what the Spirit is doing. He is making you sons and daughters of God. Look over there in the distance, the promised land. So take a good look before we start down. Take a good look. Do you see? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The gospel is forgiveness for the penalty of sin and freedom from the power of sin. Did you get that? I don't want to start down before you got that. Regardless of your sin, no matter what it is, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are declared righteous because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. So think about it. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus, and Jesus is righteous. Did you look over there? Did you see that you are a son or daughter of the Most High God? You are his forever forever. Did you look over there? Did you see eternal life? One day our bodies will be redeemed and we will know unimaginable glory. There will be no sin, no sickness, no death, no suffering. Take heart. Regardless of what your life is like now, the best days are yet to come. Oh, the view's great. I don't want to go down. You know, I don't know about you, but going up a hill always seems easier than going down. Did you notice that? Um, contrary to what you might think, the descent is always harder. I guess it might be my knees, might be my handspring muscles, but somehow it's hard. This week in Life Groups, we're looking at Romans 9 to 11. There are some hard chapters. So, take a deep breath. Let's get ready to go down. Today, I'm only focusing on Romans 10. Just a reminder before we start, the context of the Roman church. Remember, the Jews had been banished from Rome. It's now 54 AD, and they're back, trying to integrate into the Gentile church. 
It is into this context that Paul writes his letter. Um, Andrew read this morning the passage, and Paul is reminding the church at Rome that we do not receive salvation by deeds or DNA. Okay, by deeds or DNA. We cannot receive salvation by righteous acts. Okay, remember at the start of our journey, think way back a month ago, we were in the valley of sin. And we were reminded that we were sinners. On our own, we can never, never, never escape sin. No matter how hard we try, we can't do it. Our natural sinful nature doesn't allow us to escape sin. We can't be righteous on our own. That's where the valley, that's, that's what sin is all about. And Paul reminds us in Romans 10 that salvation cannot be earned by righteous acts. It can only be received by faith. Paul, and this is the part the Jews weren't going to like, Paul also reminded them that they weren't born into salvation. So that meant Jews and Gentiles were equally sinful. Equally sinful and equally in need of a savior. There was only one way to receive salvation, and that was through faith in Jesus. So, how do we receive salvation? It is by calling on the name of Jesus. Listen again. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no appendix. There's no extras. If you declare and believe, you will be saved. So simple, so profound. Remember the difference between Christianity and every other religion? In every other religion, it's do, 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 do. In Christianity, it's done. Already done. Already done. When you confess that Jesus is Lord, it shows that you understand that there is no other way to God but Jesus. You recognize that you cannot save yourself. You will never be good enough. Being good will not save you. Going to church will not save you. And no one else can save you. Only Christ can save you. You must also believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Christ died to defeat the power of sin. He died as a ransom. He paid the penalty. God said, good enough. Christ was raised from the dead. We have to believe in the resurrection, for that's proof that the penalty for sin has been paid. Okay. Okay, now I knew it was going to start to get hard going down this hill. So, if people can't experience salvation through deeds or DNA, 
but only through calling on the name of Jesus, then what about those who haven't heard the gospel? You know, when you're on a mountain, you're descending down, and the fog starts to roll in? The fog is rolling in. I guess that's why Andrew in our video series called this section of Romans the cloud of mystery. So you know what? It's kind of a bit dense, so I'm going to just take a seat for a minute, and I'm going to remember what I saw at the top. Every once in a while you have to do that when it gets kind of foggy. From the top, we saw that God will redeem his world. He will do it, and the people in it. Now, I know that God is sovereign. I know that God has a plan. So I know that I can make it down this mountain, but I have some questions. And the fog is pretty dense. I believe God has a good plan because he is a good God, a faithful God, a just God, a merciful God. But this section of Romans, Romans 9, 10, and 11, has lots of hard questions. You know what? I can't even understand the mind of God. It's mysterious. I don't see where he's going. I don't see where he's taking me, and I'm not sure if I can make it down the hill. In order to keep descending, Andrew, um, our guide in our video series, suggests that we think of our sovereign God as a director who has a script. We think of the world as a stage, and we think of ourselves as actors. Andrew says, think that God is a director that has the play in his hands. He's totally in control of the story, and he knows the end game. We need to trust the story. We need to trust the director. We don't need to worry about the hows, the whys, the whens. We don't need to see all the details of his plan. We don't even need to see the path clearly. As actors, all we need to do is to have faith in the director. We need to get up on the stage and listen. And God, our director, will give us the roles and feed us the lines. Romans 10, 14 to 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they call, believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So it's clear that we already have one role to play. It's clear that we are called to be heralds. The video reminds us there are many, many people that do not know about Jesus. And it is our job, it is our role to tell them. Roxanne, but what about all the people in Africa and what about? It is our job 
to tell the people we know. But what about? God is mysterious. I do not know all the whatabouts, but I trust the director. So I want you to think just for a minute about how you first heard about Jesus. Who were the heralds in your life? Who were the people that told you about Jesus? Chances are most of them were everyday, ordinary people. I can think of three in my past. Uh, the first, Sylvia Moon. When I was a kid, when I was young, my mom um, encouraged us to go to church because that's what you did if you were a good little girl. But by the time I was in middle school, the rest of my family was sleeping on Sunday morning, and I was there by myself. Sylvia and her family made sure I had a place to sit in church. That's a big thing when you're a middle schooler. That's a big thing when you come into a church and you don't know where to sit. Sylvia also invited me to her home after church for lunch, and I remember spending many hours with her family. Sylvia and her family made church a welcoming place where I could hear the gospel preached and I could begin to explore what it meant to be a follower of Christ. I had another herald, Al Matson. He was an elder in our church. He probably was about 50. And he opened the church every Wednesday night for the youth to hang out. There was nothing amazing about his programming. But he was there every Wednesday. And we developed great relationships that got me through high school. Now, I want to tell you that Sylvia and Al never sat down and explained point by point the gospel. But their actions and their involvement in my life kept me coming to church. My third herald came when I was in grade 11. At the time, a Regent College student named Marilyn Rushton taught our teen Sunday school class. That was when Sunday school was big. At some points, there was six kids in the class, and at some points, there was only me. And it was during those classes that Marilyn unpacked the gospel and made it real. I had always been trying to be good enough. I was desperately trying to earn my salvation. I wanted God's favor. I wanted to be special. What a blessing to finally know that I was loved and accepted. I believe that all three of these people together were the heralds that brought me the good news. Ordinary, everyday people like you and me who changed my eternity. Paul is clear in this passage that we are all called to be heralds. How do we do that, though? What does that look like? The news is so good. The first thing to do is to take 
a snapshot of the top of the summit and remember yourself the good news. And then to begin to share it. But how and who? Well, Paul talks about his love for the Jews, his passion for sharing the gospel with them. It wasn't motivated by duty, but by love. So start where you are. Start with the people you love. Who are the people you love that don't know about Jesus? Think about two or three of them. Start intentionally praying for them. Ask God to give you opportunities to share your hope that you have in Christ. It's going to look different for all of you. You know, my sister, I often talk to her about God, and I say, so what do you think about God? And she will say, well, God's, I believe in God. He's up there. I'm down here. That's the way I like it to stay. But she always asks me to pray for her. And she's always interested in what I think about things. And maybe one day she will find Jesus. So how do you do it? Maybe it's just by offering to pray for someone when they're sick or worried. Maybe when you're talking to someone about what you did this weekend, you might mention church. Maybe they'll ask some questions. Maybe it starts by just caring about the person walking alongside them and loving them unconditionally. And then maybe there's a moment, maybe around Christmas, where you might say, do you want to come to church with me? Or have you ever seen Baby Cafe? Or do you want to go to Oasis? What about youth group? Paul quotes in Isaiah 57 to 7, sorry, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. We are all called to be heralds, to be bearers of good news. Be aware of where your feet will take you this week. The grocery store, the workplace, the school, the neighborhood, the shop, public transit, sports, clubs, hobbies. You're called to be a herald wherever your feet take you. Ask God to give you opportunities to speak about him in some or all of those settings. And if you're thinking right now, but Roxanne, I don't know yet really who Jesus is, then spend some time finding out more about him. Because once you find out about how great that summit looks, you're going to want to tell other people. Because you know what? The world is full of people trying to be the best they can be, and they are never good enough. Trying to do the most they can do, and they feel they can never do enough. And they want to hear the good news. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that as we call on your name and ask you to be Lord of our lives, we receive the wonderful gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord God. We recognize that we don't deserve it and that we have done nothing to earn it. It is a free gift. Thank you. Wherever we go this week, help us to be bearers of the good news of the gospel, 
sharing it with others in our own words and through our actions. Give us the courage to speak about you when an opportunity arises so others may know you and believe. Amen.